Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. It's uh, interesting for me because we're going on uh, 160 episodes, but I just wanted to thank all of you who have been listening and um, and checking in with us. We're um, always interested in ideas you might have or um, in you sharing things. And if you know people that have struggled with their psychology treatment and um want to do something different just want, we just want to remind you that we've got this great program that uh, where we do a group um, that meets on Wednesdays and Thursdays and most people that attend the group have been in the field uh, or receiving some kind of mental health counseling for some time and have not found that place of of mental well-being and, and balance and feeling happy with their life so the groups are small. Um, there's maybe sometimes five to 10 people. So they're very small. So you get time to talk about whatever it is. And you don't have to talk about anything. You can also just come and listen. But it's an opportunity for people to get better in spite of whatever you've been told mm-hmm. by the current practices that are happening in psychology. And we just wanted to remind people of that because it's a really valuable resource. It's very inexpensive. Um, if people really want to learn something, we make make it work for anybody. And um, you can come as many times as you want to. You don't have to sign up for a year-long course. You don't have to do anything. You can just come and really listen for yourself and get some individual uh, attention if if listening to our podcast isn't quite enough for you, still kind of struggling. So we just wanted to remind people of that because it's, um, you know, you get both of us two for one and uh, uh, we have a good time. We have a lot of good time and there's some really beautiful people that come every week that are very supportive and have changed dramatically. So it's a very hopeful place as well. So if you know of someone or perhaps you yourself would like to come and um talk about something that you're still struggling with, we'd love to see you. Come and join us. And with that, I'd like to also introduce this wonderful friend of mine that uh, <laughs> we're, we, we get to do this podcast with, but we also are preparing to talk um, at a conference uh, in London. Hopefully we'll be talking together. We haven't heard anything yet, but we'll both be there in person. Um, and it's the first time we've done an in-person event um, ever yeah together on like kind of on psychology has it backwards so if we get to do that it'll be the first in-person event and if we don't we may do something ourselves um while we're there so stay tuned for more information about that and i just want to introduce this fabulous woman that i get to be friends with (laughs) you judy sedgman and uh christine is just uh She's so fabulous herself that she thinks everybody else is fabulous. <laughs> but she, 
<laughs> we have a good time together. And, uh, and it's so much fun working together. And I, I think we'll probably just do this podcast indefinitely because it's an opportunity at least once a week to get together, <laughs> chat and uh, do something constructive together. So during the COVID years, uh, this was kind of it. You know, we had to find ways that we could work online together. And this turned out to be the way. The last time we actually spoke together was the weekend before they stopped. Uh, they told people to be careful flying. You shouldn't fly because of COVID. So we were both in Los Angeles and we both had to get home. And it was we just made it home <laughs> before we couldn't fly. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah. We just got out of Dodge in time. We wore our face masks, thank God, at that time. So we did not catch anything. Right. So um, today's topic is separate realities. And I know you've heard us mention separate realities if you've been listening to our tapes, but you know it deserves it deserves a tape of its own. And it's funny. It was kind of funny because I was wanting to have one of my clients listen to a tape on separate realities. And I went through all of our, our podcasts. So I was like, oh, we missed that. So <laughs> yeah, well, go ahead. No, it's a, uh, uh, it, separate realities is a, a wonderful thing to discover. It, yeah. it really helps to not take things so personally mm-hmm. and to get your feelings hurt all the time and to, um, kind of understand why people do what they do, that it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with them and their own thinking. And so that's why I, I wanted this particular person to listen to this. Uh, but the idea is that we live in our own thought-created reality and that the quality of that reality is based on the state of mind that we're thinking in. And what we see as a result of that and how we interact with the world, it kind of creates your worldview. And so when your worldview is dark and dim and you can't trust people and, you know, you don't think that, you know, you can function very well in it, you're going to have a really bad experience. And so sometimes what happens is that people look at other people And they see that they're having a wonderful experience and they kind of compare themselves thinking that we should all have a similar reality. But the fact is we all have different realities all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. And we just think we're seeing the same thing. Like I remember when I was in in, taking a civics course in high school and our teacher was this wonderful man. He just, loved chemistry and physics and and he was kind and gentle and smart and funny and he he said to me he said to us he said we were studying rainbows we were talking about how light travels in a straight line right and so he said like take a rainbow for example what you see when you see a rainbow no one else sees because the light that reflects off of the water droplets comes directly to your eye and that creates what what you see then as a rainbow that is as a result of that but that same light doesn't go to anybody else's eyes so everybody even if they're standing right next to you sees a slightly different rainbow because rainbows aren't things and i was like oh 
oh, that's so true. That would be true. But I had to kind of laugh because I, I was thinking, well, if that's true for rainbows, that would be true for everything. Huh. That what we see in our reality is always going to be different than what other people see. And the quality of that will be based on the state of mind you're in. An example of that is going to a movie. And, you know, you go to this movie and you're like, you're crying and you're so touched by the movie. And the person next to you went to sleep. They were bored. (laughs) You know, because they had a different experience of that, that movie. And so when an understanding that we're living in, uh, Kathy Casey calls it our little thought bubble. Uh, you know, it's like we're living in our own reality. The good news of that is that, oh, I can do something about that. I can change it. The bad news is, oh, I have to do something about that so I can change it. Right. <laughs> it is the good news and the bad news because when it looks like it's the outside world doing it to you, and that's creating your experience and everybody would have the same rea- same reaction and we get caught up in the content of what we're thinking and we share that with people so when i first started working with clients as a therapist people would come in and they'd tell me about their experience of reality they'd tell me about you know especially when marriage counseling would crack me up because I talk to the person, I think, oh, yeah, your husband really is a jerk and he's really treating you bad because I'd just be listening to the story they were telling me. They were telling me what they saw. And then I talked to the, to the husband and I was like, oh, okay, this is a totally different way of looking at it. <laughs> and then I think, okay, I try to get him on the same page by getting him to agree that they were seeing the same reality. And that was kind of marriage counseling. So people ended up getting divorced a lot because they could never get on the same page. They keep arguing and talk, trying to talk the other person into, um, in, into their reality. And the other person's like, are you crazy? I don't, that's not what I'm, what I see is that you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so in, in understanding that we each see people differently, we each see life differently, each one of us. When I'm listening to a client now, I am not listening for the the details of what they're telling me. I'm listening to the state of mind that that's creating those details so that I can help them to start to feel better. And as they feel better, they see their reality differently. They see the problem differently. They see the person differently. But I know of a lot of therapists who, you know, Sometimes they're um, uh, they're talking to their therapist or whatever, or the other therapist, and they'll say, well, my therapist said, blah, blah, my husband was a narcissist and I should get rid of him and blah, 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 blah. And I said, I say to them, well, like, okay, well, maybe that's true. I don't know. But um, I know that right now you're thinking about your husband's not that good. And so that's what you have control over is how you're thinking about things. But in traditional psychology, when you're trying to solve problems, you're listening to the person as if what they say is actually what's going down, that you have all the information. And believe me, you can get burned by that big time. But you end up giving advice then to people that's based on that faulty perception. And they go back to their family and say, my therapist said that you are 
being abusive to me. Uh And the other person is like, what? Oh my God, I'll never go to therapy. That's what they tell people. I'm not being abusive to you. Right. So it, it's interesting how not understanding separate realities has affected the field greatly in terms of doing therapy. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, it, I was thinking as you were talking about doing therapy that, of course, when I first got involved, I was not doing therapy. I was a business consultant, but it's sort of like therapy. <laughs> and uh, I, I used to listen to my clients. I, I never paid any attention to the state of mind they were in. You know, they would tell me something and they'd be upset and I would listen to it and write it down. And they would tell me something and they were in a good mood. I'd listen to it and write it down. I always assumed that they were telling me the truth. And uh, I had so many, uh, I had to laugh looking back over so many client experiences I'd had where the client had called and been all upset and outraged. And I thought, oh, well, this, no wonder he's upset. This terrible thing is happening. I'd looked into it and it wasn't that at all you know they were just mistaken or they misunderstood somebody or they were just in a terrible mood and they were paranoid in that mood and I suddenly started to realize you have to treat the state of mind before you pay attention to the reality the details are not where the answer is Mm -hmm. because a person can look at the very same thing with a shift in their state of mind and go oh yeah it's not really a big problem Mm -hmm. And I saw that what happened for me is that instead of me getting involved in all this petty stuff that was going on with my clients, I would treat the state of mind, not the problem. So, and I did, I started doing that without even realizing that that's what I was doing. But, you know, I would pick it up. I I got sensitive to the feeling state people were in. I could hear it and feel it. And so if somebody called me up and they're yelling and they're nervous and they're upset, you know, I would try to calm them down. Mm-hmm. And then I would postpone addressing the problem until they were in a different state. Mm-hmm. And half the time they would call me back in a different state or I would talk to them later and they would say, well, it's okay. I figured out what to do about it. I saw what to do. And I couldn't believe the how much easier my work was because I wasn't solving imaginary problems. Right. And also because I wasn't creating imaginary problems for myself by thinking, Oh my God, this client's going to be really mad at me. And I can't, I don't even understand this problem. I didn't remember. They were so upset. I couldn't make sense of it. I'm trying to figure it out myself. Or I would start getting, you know, fearful that this is the third time they've called me about this and I still haven't fixed it. And I don't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And so then, then you'd have two upset people trying to solve a problem together, which mm-hmm. was pointless. And, you know, it's really a funny thing because uh, I had, I, I was running a medical practice management business, as you probably know by now, and a lot of people were working for me. And we all got trained because uh, my, my client who taught me about the principles had to make videotapes for the hospital. And so my staff was his audience so we made 12 hours of tapes to use with patients in the hospital about this understanding and so my my staff got that 12 hours and it really changed the whole company so they got it too and we were 
you know, we were, we had moved twice since I started the company because we added clients and we would add staff and then we would need more space. After these tapes and after we got started with the principles and started seeing how not to buy problems and buy other people's reality and how to treat the state of mind first, mm-hmm. we took on eight new clients before we ever added another person to the staff mm-hmm. wow. because we could do it. Mm-hmm. And it just was, it was amazing how our life changed in the sense that our focus was not on details and problems. Our focus was on keeping the clients comfortable and happy and, and explaining to them what was going on, making sure it was clear what we were mm-hmm. talking about. And it changed everything. And that's simply realizing that separate realities are true on two levels. One is when you're in a different state of mind, the same reality that you were looking at before looks different. And two is, even if two people are in a great state of mind, they might see it differently. And it doesn't matter if their state of mind will sustain a conversation. They'll either come to a meeting of the minds or they'll be okay disagreeing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it seems so simple to be now, but honestly, at the time, it was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, I, as you were talking, I remember that I would be working with clients and I'd give them like things to do to handle their problem. You know, we talk about how they were seeing the problem and they would talk about it. And, and then I would say, okay, well, go home and say this to them or go home and do, I mean, it was like, we talk about like, what was the, the, the uh, thing we should do. Right. Yeah. And then they come back the next week and they hadn't done it. Yeah. And, and that problem was gone and they were on to another one. And I would get so exasperated. Like what? We spent the whole hour talking about that. You didn't do anything. Well, they, but it doesn't bother me anymore. You know, like, they're, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, what the heck? I thought we were supposed to be like doing these things and they do things and then things would change and they'd get better. Well, that wouldn't happen. So I felt like, I felt like I was like really a bad therapist because my clients would keep coming back with different problems, right? But they, what was the same is that they had problems, that they looked at life and they looked at therapy as a way to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. But when you're in problem mode, you keep seeing problems. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like tying a stick to the top of your head and then having a carrot hang down and you're just running like hell trying to get that carrot. You can't, you can't find happiness by solving your problems. And you can't solve your problems in the same state of mind that you create it, which is what Einstein talked about. He talked about the problems of the world cannot be solved at the same level that they're created. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of like also interesting to me that when I would do family therapy, how different people saw things, mm-hmm. you know, and it would be like, wow, I have, you know, kids will come up to their parents. No, Joey beat me up. No, I did not. He did, you know, and parents try to figure out who's right and what happened. But most parents realize they don't know really what happened. No. And maybe that happened and maybe it didn't happen, you know. And so they learn to parent in ways that don't get into whose reality is accurate 
But okay, what are we going to do from here? You go in your room and calm down. You go do the, take the garbage out or something. You know, like parents do that naturally mm-hmm. because they really realize if you sit down with kids, they're, they're, had they have their own experience of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's kind of just reminding everybody that we each see a different reality moment to moment. And we can share realities. We can see similar things like, you know, my um, sisters were here and uh, we were, I took them to the yacht club in Hilo for lunch. And my one sister was saying like, oh, I just, I can't believe I'm having lunch at a yacht club. I didn't have the heart to tell her it's the only yacht club in the world with no yachts. <laughs> it, it is a beautiful spot. And we were looking out at the water. And all of a sudden, I saw a whale, a whale flipper come up. Like it was breaching out there. And then I saw the spouts. And the spouts were like everywhere. And... I was saying, look out there, look out there. And my sister is going like, where? I don't see it. I don't see it. She couldn't see it, right? right? So I got really still with her and I went up to her and I put my finger out and I pointed. You see right there it is. You see it now? You see? So that she could. And then all of a sudden she went, oh, okay. Yeah, I see it. But she couldn't see it for the longest time. And here we were looking at the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of, to me, sometimes I feel like that in life. Like I don't see what I don't see. Yeah. You know, I know there's something I need to see here, but I don't see it because my thinking just keeps creating the same uh, blind spot, if you will. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, wh- when we understand that we have different realities, we understand different cultures. We understand different religions. We understand different political beliefs. We understand because we understand that we all have different thoughts and what looks good to us or feels right to us is what we're thinking, right? And so that's the the beauty of understanding separate realities is that you can have a relationship with someone like that it has totally different political beliefs. You know, like there's a couple, a famous kind of, they were both, I forget their names. Oh, but, uh, Carville and. James Carville and. Um, better name too, but anyway, they, they were both political commentators. Yeah, yeah both political commentators and consultants. And uh, he was a, a, a liberal and she was conservative mm-hmm. and they fell in love and got married. Mm-hmm. And they both continued what they were doing and they would they would realize that they saw things differently and they were fascinated by that. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes what happens is we try to be right. And when you understand that this thing called separate realities, you're very humble about being right because you know, you could be seeing it totally differently. Yes. And I, I think that's the thing that lawsuits are made of, you know, is I, I have a client who's uh, a personal injury lawyer. And uh, it's been very interesting because we've been talking about the principles now for quite a while. And it's, it's really made it harder for him to, <laughs> to practice <laughs> personal injury law because it occurs to him that his clients could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They want to sue this person for a million dollars because they did this, that, or the other thing. And it's like, I, I'm not so sure that that's really what happened. 
Right. <laughs> and it's very, uh, it's, it, it's really true. You know, it's, it's, I, I used to, uh, have that feeling sometimes I would get uh, talking to my own clients, you know, and I would think if they would just do this one thing, you know, it could make such a big difference in their practice and they were stubborn and they wouldn't do it. And then I would think, you know, if they can't see it, they can't do it. Yeah. You know, just because I think it's a good idea. If I did it, it would work out great. But if they don't think it's a good idea or if it doesn't come up through their thinking, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a good idea for them. It's somebody else's idea. Mm-hmm. probably somebody else's wacko idea. Yeah. So I learned to stop giving advice, not only to my clients, but to people in my life. I just don't give advice anymore. Really? I mean, I, mean, I, I figure I can barely tell what I need to do, let, let alone you know, what somebody else needs to do, for God's sake. And sometimes I ask for advice. Like I'll say, should I wear this or that? And, you know, if I ask Chris and we're good friends, she might say, well, I don't know, you look good in both of them, but this one, I like this one better and that's okay. And I might or might not take her advice, but we both know that when we're asking for advice, we may or may not take it. No one's feelings are going to get hurt. Yeah. But I think that that's another thing that, uh, that I stopped doing in my life. When I got involved in the principles, I stopped telling my teenage daughter what to do because it dawned on me. She has wisdom too. Mm -hmm. She's a human being. We're all human and we all have innate health and we all have access to wisdom. And the way I was parenting her was taking her away from her wisdom because I was annoying her. (laughs) And we were getting increasingly sort of itchy with each other. You know, we weren't having these friendly conversations. So instead of leaping in with my motherly advice, I started to step back and say, well, why do you want to do that? What, what, what is important to you about it? And nine times out of 10, if I asked her questions and I was genuinely interested in the answers, she would come around to thinking, you know, I don't really need to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why didn't I discover this sooner? <laughs> it was a miracle that I discovered it at all, but... But it's true that people, if you, can, if you can address the state of mind and not elevate people's mm-hmm. level of anxiety or insecurity mm-hmm. by, you know, pushing that button, <laughs> so to speak, mm-hmm. and as they, as they get calmer in your presence and they speak to you, they get uh, deeper and quieter mm-hmm. and clearer mm-hmm. and their wisdom kicks in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I see that all the time with clients, you know, if I don't listen, I listen to their story, but I don't believe that it's important. The details are not where the answer is because it's in the past. Anyway, if you can tell a story, it's already over. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So, uh, I, 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 I listen for the feeling behind the story. How, how deeply affected have they been by this? Mm-hmm. And what is their feeling about it? What are they seeing that I'm not seeing? Mm-hmm. Not in the details, but in the meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, why does this mean so much to them? And if I can help people to get some distance from, some perspective on the story, and to just, I don't ask them to look at it a different way or try to think of, you know, reframe it or anything. I just kind of get people quieter and, kind of it's kind of like backing away and seeing the big picture um that they'll have a different uh experience of what they create Mm -hmm. 
and they'll create their own answer. And quite often, clients will come up with an answer that we would have never thought of. Mm-hmm. It's their life. Yeah, it's amazing, really. It's when people get into a different state of mind, they see a different reality. So they start to see possibilities. Like I can see, you know, as people get healthier, they frequently they're homeless when they come in, they don't have a job. As they start feeling better, then all of a sudden they got a job. All of a sudden they've got housing. All of a sudden they connect with family. All of a sudden, like this one guy, he's just changed so much and he goes, I just realized how much I love being with my kids. Wow. And he was off drinking with his friends and, you know, um, getting angry and doing all kinds of stuff. And he's calmed down. He's in a better place. And all of a sudden he doesn't have trouble with his family anymore. Right. Doesn't have a problem there. Like we didn't spend time how to deal with your wife, how to be a better father, but he was able to see that on his own. And trusting that people have that is uh, really important because it takes a lot of stress off of you as a coach or as a therapist because you don't have to come up with things that you don't know the answer to. Yeah. Like I remember I'd make stuff up and think I have no idea what they should do. I don't even know what I should do. (laughs) So it's a beautiful gift that we have, our ability to listen to wisdom as well as, as, and I should say, in addition to seeing that our thoughts are creating our reality, mm-hmm. because your thoughts can trick you big time. Yeah. But your wisdom is, will always be there if you listen for it. Yeah. You got to remember your thoughts are the illusion of the moment, and it's a reflection of your state of mind, not of the reality that's out there. Yeah. That's true. So, well, we've taken another. <laughs> That's it. So when you walk out in the world today, remember that what you see, nobody else sees. So if right. you're seeing a lot of crap out there, you might want to change yeah. your own state of mind and go for a good feeling and start looking for love Yeah. and happiness. Yes. And have a great week. Have a great week. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com.